What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 13 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where I sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. Hi, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is an honor to be on this journey with you as you and I seek to be the leaders that God created us to be. And what an incredible, fun time we've had in the first 12 episodes, talking with some absolutely amazing people. In episode 13, I promise you, isn't going to disappoint. We're going to sit down today with a good friend of mine, Randy Gravitt. Randy spends his life coming alongside teams, professional baseball teams, corporations, many that you are dealing with on a daily basis. But what I love about Randy, Randy calls himself a CEO, a chief encouragement officer. Randy has a passion to encourage leaders. But behind that encouragement, whether he's standing in front of the Pittsburgh Pirates or Chick-fil-A, behind all that is a faith that drives Randy. So I hope today you'll pull out a pencil, a notebook, something you can type on, and I hope you'll pull up a chair and listen in as we spend a little bit of time with the head of Integrate Leadership, Randy Gravitt. Randy, thank you so much for taking time out of your ever busy schedule to uh, be a guest today, man. It is an honor to have you. Oh, thanks, Mike. I'm excited to get to hang out with you for a few minutes. So it's good stuff. Thanks for all you're doing to encourage leaders. It's cool, man. Well, that goes two ways. And I know you're an incredible encouragement to me. I love you. Call yourself a CEO, a chief encouragement officer. Fill, fill everybody in sort of on the background of that and, and why that's such a big deal for you. Yeah, that's good. I, a few years ago, heard a guy talking about um, just the power of adding value. He, he was um, in, a, in a meeting. It was kind of cool. He was in a meeting with this guy and this guy walks up to him and and uh, they were asking each other what they did. And when my friend asked this other man what he did, he said, I, I just encourage people. And when he told me that, I thought that, that it just resonated with me. I've, I've always wanted to try to motivate people and, and inspire people to be the best they can. At, you know, so it, it I don't know, it just kind of re- resonated with me. And I and started thinking, okay, how can I, how can I add value to people? And Little did I know it would uh, <laughs> sort of morph into a career at some point, but I think that's kind of what I've tried to do all all along. But yeah, it's so uh, it's uh, I wake up every day just trying to think about how can I encourage somebody else to be the best they can be while I'm trying to do the same thing. So don't always get there, but uh, and sometimes it's very easy to think about yourself more than you should. But I think when I when I try to think about other people, it does a couple things. It helps them maybe, but it also gets my mind off myself. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where that came from. And your background wasn't always in working in business or you had, you started back in education, fill everybody in a little bit on the journey that you've been on as a leader through the years. So I know you've been in education, church work, yeah. you do what you do now. I, I started out, 
actually I went to seminary when I was just out of college and I got out there and in Fort Worth and realized, I, well, I thought at the time, maybe I, I made a mistake because everybody was there was called to be a pastor or a music leader. And I knew I wasn't going to be a music leader. So, and I wasn't called to be a pastor. And so I, I, I thought, man, I felt a little bit like a duck out of water. And yet I, I discovered while I was there that uh, when a person has their faith in Christ, which I do, that they're called to be in full-time ministry, whether they're a pastor or a music guy, or some some people are disguised as doctors and some as as uh, school teachers and some as stay-at-home moms and just all over the place. There's a there's a chance for all those people to to do ministry. And so I actually started um, coaching and teaching in a in a little school out there. I had. Uh, it was crazy in Fort Worth. There was a there was a woman who called me at Christmas time, and I knew she was desperate. When she was a principal of this uh, school, and I knew she was desperate when she she asked me if I uh, could teach biology, and I wasn't even a teacher. This is the last day before Christmas break, and I said, "No, I'm I'm not really a, a teacher." And she said, "Have you have you had biology?" And I'm thinking. This this woman really must need a teacher, and so she literally hands me a textbook across her desk and says, "If you're willing to uh, teach a couple of ninth grade classes, I'll give you a job." Her her uh, her mother-in-law actually had been her biology teacher and had resigned that morning, and she had been a former professor at Baylor. Uh, this elderly lady had, but and had been teaching in this Christian school for several years after that, and came in the day before break and just said, I just can't come back at Christmas. And so uh, they gave me a job and it, it went really well that spring. I ended up coaching football there the next fall and, and uh, teaching another year. And then uh, uh, I, I switched actually to another school and ended up spending about seven or eight years coaching girls basketball and all kind of other sports and teaching biology and uh, ended up teaching Bible as well. And so, um, yeah, it was cool. I, I I spent probably the first decade of my career as a teacher and coach, and, and I would say at my core, I'm, I'm pretty much a coach at heart. So it's it's been a it's been a, a passion for sure. How but did then that... we uh, we in... go ahead? No, no, no. I was going to say then you transition right into the church world right after that, correct? Yeah. Well, yeah. We ended up in Knoxville for three years, and and then uh, from there uh, with another school. Then we we came down to. Uh, Noonan, Georgia, and um, yeah, to, oh, took a position on a church staff as a children and family pastor down here at Crossroads uh, in Noonan, and th- that was a total, um, you know, uh, just it, it became a leadership laboratory for me to learn really leadership at, at that point, even even more in a more formal way. What happened was we got here, and the first year we were here, I think we're running about six hundred people, and First couple of years, it was just bananas. The area was growing. We went from 600 to 1,700 in about two years. And so you can imagine we're hiring staff and all kinds of stuff's going crazy. And and um, I just moved into a more of an executive pastor role eventually to help lead some of that and serve Ken, uh, our senior leader. He was trying to, to uh, juggle a lot. Uh, you can imagine as a, as a pastor, a lot on his plate. So just started learning, you know, and, and uh, it became a place to, to learn buildings and budgets and people and staff and 
the thing grew like crazy. And so, yeah, I got to, it, it became, I, I would say the laboratory for me to, to learn a lot of, uh, what would serve me well later. I mean, the whole journey all the way along has kind of served to prepare for the next phase. Do, do you so, feel like looking back now, Randy, that, that, that time in education and even going to seminary and going, nah, that's probably not for me. And man, Crossroads is a great church. And the time that you got there really got the tools in the tool bag for what you're doing now, working with leaders. I do, especially as I look back on a lot of the stuff at the church, obviously, was working with teams and, and staff and all those kind of things. And when I work with organizations now, there's there's several things that, you know, I'm able to bring some different perspective to, which wouldn't have happened had it not been there. But I think the education part, especially, it, it, it's, it was um, much more valuable than I realized at the time, because I was learning, you know, as a as an educator, there's a there's a scope and sequence to development. You don't put a first grader in, you know, calculus. I mean, you've got to, there, there's a step-by-step process to how to teach them all the way through. And, and as I got uh, into what I'm doing now and, and started thinking about leader development, I, I really do think about process a lot and, and having a, a scope and sequence to that. If you, if you think about it, there's a lot of great books that come out and, but there's they're full most of the time of tips and techniques. They're, they're and I read all of them. I mean, I'm trying to learn as much as I can. But but nobody's really thinking about how to develop a leader uh, holistically. And so when we started thinking about our content, um, one of the things that I was really just uh, passionate about was trying to make sure there's a process for how a leader is developed. And so that's where that's where Integrate came from. When you know our company, uh, we think about four layers lead self, lead others, lead teams. And then ultimately some people are called to lead an organization. We want to be a high performance organization. So, you know, we think about leader development holistically through a process. So 2014 comes, you get that tap on the shoulder to step out and really, and I like how you said it really into my sweet spot where I was created to be. When, when that time came for you, was that a hard, was that a hard step? I mean, you've got four little girls, uh, home at the time, yeah. I guess, getting into, ready to go into college years, some in college years. Was that a hard step yeah. for you? Yeah, we had two in college and two on the way and I was 48 and, you know, it's been about four years ago now. And I was literally, uh, I, I knew two or three years before that it was, it was time. I wanted to see, can I, can I, um, can I start a business? Can I start a company to work with leaders all the time? And, 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 and I, I wanted to think I could do it. I had it in me, but there was this piece of me that, you know, who quits their job when they're going to be 50 and who's paying people to encourage leaders kind of, I mean, all these reasons in my mind where this won't work. And, and I had written a book with uh, Dan Webster a few years before called finding your way, which is about helping college and young people in their twenties to live in their sweet spot. And so my kids are coming to me, just wearing me out. Dad, you wrote the book on living in your sweet spot and here you're not doing it. And, <laughs> you know, and I'm, <laughs> who wants That's to be called nice. sissy by their four, you know, four college daughters. And so I'm thinking, Oh my goodness. And and what literally happened, Mike, was I, I came to this point where I thought I have to do this or I'm going to be an old man someday. And I'm going to regret that I didn't give it a shot and I'll be disappointed in myself. Hmm. And I knew if I do give it a shot and I can't pull it off, and I, you know, I'll be disappointed that I don't have what it takes, but I won't have any regret and I can live with that. And so 
I, I, um, I had gotten to a point after 18 years where I was really comfortable in my, in my role. I, 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 you know, I feel like I was pretty good at what I did and, you know, we were going and blowing and things were great, but I, I just was having a hard time. Um, there, there were some things where, um, it, it, it just was, uh, it just wasn't growing like a, I felt like it should be in some ways and I wasn't growing like I needed to be. And so, you know, a lot of that was on my watch and I thought like, I, I, I just can't, I just can't be here and, and not, um, live into really who God made me to be. And so I went to the can we've been together. Well, I mean, had known each other 25 years and, and said, uh, I mean, and, and my, and my mistake in the ground moment was I, I remember us having a meeting it was February of the year before that and, or several months before I left. And I, and I said, look, I need, I need to, to, to leave. I, I want your blessing. I'd be a fool not to ask for your blessing after all this time. But uh, if you, if you can't bless me, I still have to leave kind of thing. And I knew at that point, you know, kind of, and, and I had a way worked out for it to kind of be a transition I, I thought would work. And, and, and just our elders came back and, and they said, that looks great and all that. And we'll let you know. And a week or two later, we met again. And, they said, we feel like God's saying, if you're going to do this, you need to do this. And which was the best thing, you know, I kind of got kicked out of the nest. So it's the best thing ever because it just gave me more focus. And, and, and so it, it came down, I, I tell people now when I talk about it, it came down to just a step of courage. I mean, that, that, that step of faith really was a, was a place of courage. And I kept, you know, I just was at a place where I was thinking about, how do I stay comfortable rather than how do I be courageous? And yet I was, as I thought that way, I was, I was miserable. I, I, I tell people leaders are never comfortable being comfortable. They're, they're comfortable when they're being courageous. Um, and I, I couldn't find the, the, the Bible verse, you know, I'm a Bible reader. I couldn't find the verse that said, be comfortable. You know, I kept, I kept seeing God say, be courageous, be courageous. It's like he had to remind us over and over and over again. And, and man, did I ever need that reminder? So I think we all do, but it was, yeah, it was a tough step, but but um, it was the right one for sure. And now, gosh, you work with all kinds of organizations, from athletics with the Pirates and being a leadership coach with them to Chick-fil-A to Advocare, Georgia Southern, Kroger Pharmacy, Windshape. What are, as you work with these organizations, Randy, what are common denominators you see in them of what make the great ones great? Are there some common things you've been in the church world too for pastors that are listening? What are some common denominators of organizationally great organizations and what are the things that make them great? Yeah, I think there's, there's three or four things that every high performance organization has in common. Uh, the, the first one is I think they're well-led. I, I don't think you can find a great organization on the planet that's not well-led. So I, I do think it starts with leadership. And I think the point leader or point leaders, whatever the case may be, I think they have to set the pace for the rest of the organization. I mean, I really think it, it, it's it's just huge for that leader, man or woman, to um, to make a decision on what they're trying to accomplish, what is the mission, and they keep pulling people back to that, and they have a strategy to accomplish it, and all those great things, you know, those skills to cast vision, and 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 they've got to. Um, a pipeline of talent they're trying to develop all those all those things what we say above the waterline but there's a below the waterline 
aspect to leadership as well. And I think the, the best organizations are well led both above and below the waterline. We use an iceberg as our picture. Um, is only about 10% above the waterline, 90% below. And so that character, or we, we say the, the integrity base of that leader is huge. And so I think there's a, um, you know, the, the vision of our company is to grow a generation of integrity-based leaders. I, I want to see leaders understand the importance of that um, underneath the surface. And, and it doesn't matter if it's corporate organization, we're, we're, just picked up a, a contract to do some stuff with the Hyatt hotels and, and, and on the other side, we're doing stuff with FCA just about to start with that. And so it doesn't matter if it's nonprofit or, or for-profit or anything in between it's it, at the end of the day, if a, a leader's heart's not right, nobody really cares about their skills. I mean, it's, you know, we've seen so many leaders who have imploded their leadership because they, they had character flaws, not because they forgot how to lead a meeting or, you know, to balance a, a spreadsheet. So I think that's a huge part. And the best organizations I see are, are well-led, character-driven, and uh, principle-centered leaders. So that's, that's one. I, I think, um, secondly, I think they're, they're aligned. I mean, it's, you know, when we, when we work with companies, we talk to them about uh, acting as one. And the, the analogy we use or the picture we we share a lot of times is it's, it's the idea of a tug of war going on and the leaders on one side and everybody else in the organization seems to be on the other. And sometimes they can get a few leaders around them to help them pull, but you get the whole other rest of the payroll pulling the other way. There's a lack of alignment. That's not good. We, we asked the question, what would happen if you could get everybody on the same side of the rope pulling together, not against each other, but against the competition toward the goals. And I think when you create that kind of alignment, you think about the best organizations in the world, Disney or Google or whoever you would pick, put on your list, they all are pulling in the same direction. And so um, alignment is big. Um, engagement's big. We talk about the power of winning the heart and we, it, it sounds like a soft skill, but there's a sense of community. There's a, there's a we mindset, not a me mindset in these kind of organizations. And then finally, at the end of the day, um, you know, you can be well-led and aligned and, and engaged all you want to, but it, it, you got to execute, you know. It, um, it, 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 we, the best organizations in the world, they excel at execution. And so they, they've got their fundamentals down. You know, I'm in spring training with the Pirates uh, every year, and they're working on the same little fundamentals that my brother and I were doing as third graders in the backyard. It's, it's like they still are trying to master those fundamentals. We never made it to that level, but but even at that level, they still those little things are still important, and they're what win games, you know. And so, um, I, I think I think great organizations they excel at execution. They they deliver. If if the rides weren't didn't work and the movies didn't make you cry, you wouldn't give a rip about Disney's, you know, training system. And yet, because all that stuff's great, we we want to go learn from Disney, you know. So. Uh, those are a few examples of things that I think about when when um, I think about high performance organizations. That's really good, and and that's really sort of universal too, from athletics to business. Those things don't deviate a lot, do they? No, I think everything we talk about and everything we teach, we we try to stick to these transferable principles. Because yeah, I think, um, you know, I think leadership is it's contextualized for sure, but but it's it, it is transferable. I mean, if you can lead in one organization, you, you, you probably can lead in another if you, um, 
if you understand the organization. So I would, I would agree with that. That's good. That is really good. So, you know, and there's tons of things that it was really interesting. I love your 90%, 10%. Cause I think so many books that are written and so many things you read, either blogs, books, even podcasts refer to the, you know, to the 90% we see and, and, or the 10% we see, but that 90% that we don't see could be the killer of it. Why, why do you think, why do you think those intangible things though? And I love your below the surface. Um, why do you think there's not as much on that? What would you say? Well, I think, it, I think for one reason, it, it, it's hard. I mean, I think there are people who don't really think about it a lot and don't understand it. And, and then I think there's the other side of it that it doesn't feel like on the surface that it's, it's about results and everybody likes to think about results. Um, I think, you know, they like spreadsheets and the bottom line and the numbers and the budget and all that kind of stuff. And those things are great, but I think what they don't appreciate if they don't look at the character side is those are the, the things that we're talking about. They actually will move the results. So if you chase results and you neglect the character, mm. the results will, will literally suffer. If you, if you build the character and you, and you couple that, you can't just be a good, good man or woman. I mean, you can't just have character. You do have to have the skills, the above the waterline part is important that you can cast vision and you can create alignment and you can drive engagement and, and you do execute. I mean, those things are important, but if you, if you don't, you know, it's almost like a, um, it's like a golfer who thinks about, he stands on a tee and thinks about, you know, can I make a four on this hole rather than, can I just, can I just, uh, you know, the only thing I really have control over, the only thing I'm touching at this point is the club. Can I just make a good swing? And if I can do that, when I get to the end, let's add them up. And if I'm focused on the, the, making the four and not on the fundamental of the swing, then I'm not likely to, to make very many fours if I'm, if my focus is on just the results. And I think that happens a lot of times in business. We don't, we don't understand that all these things are cumulative and they build most people with one of the, one of the analogies I use is most people, it's like a gymnast who won't dismount. That's like the, that's like the bottom line, the number the you know, the, the landing is the fun part for the gymnast, but it's the, it's the entire routine that creates the energy and the momentum that propels her to stick the landing. And so you are going to be judged on your, on your landing. Yes. On the execution. But if you're not well-led and you're not aligned and you don't have engagement, then I think you're, you're going to miss the, that landing. You're going to leave points on the table. And so I think, I think the character thing, thing is the same way. If we don't, if we don't appreciate the, the, value of character in our leadership we're we're forfeiting a lot of results in the end and a lot of influence frankly i mean i think a lot of impact happens below the waterline as well that's really good that is really good stuff and i hope i hope people hear that because and it goes into the whole concept behind this podcast that people really can your faith really can add value to what you do. So help me out with this real quick, Randy. How would you define that? I know there's there's leadership, there's spiritual leadership. Why is spiritual leadership for a leader a big deal for them? Well, as a person of faith myself, I think there's, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a verse in, in scripture that talks about that if our, if our, uh, if our work is not rooted in love, then 
there's this passage in first Corinthians chapter 13 about love. And it says you can do all this stuff. And if it, if it's not rooted in love, it's just going to be like uh, noisy symbols banging together. It's just noise. I mean, you know, and I think a lot of times the stuff we do, we can, we can confuse activity with accomplishment if we're not careful. I think a lot of people are really busy doing a lot of stuff and, and maybe not doing the right stuff or not having the right heart about the stuff they're doing. So, you know, that's what I believe. I, I think if you're not, um, it, it's one thing to show up and be busy and do a lot of stuff and make a lot of money. Those, those things are great. I, I love all that. But if I'm not having any influence, if I'm not having any impact, I'm not able to encourage anybody along the way. It's just, it, it just, at that point, just becomes all about me. And, you know, I mean, you, you get a choice as to how you live your life, but, Jesus once made a statement and said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? And I think a lot of people gain a lot of stuff, and yet it, their life kind of in, in those moments of importance, it sort of implodes. I mean, you can't really build your life on those things that are not that, that are temporary. You know, if you, if you try, those things just don't last. I mean, so, I mean, that's, that's the way I look at it. And so I think it's one thing to be a leader. I, I want people to be good leaders, but if, but if they're spiritual leaders, then, um, things that last start to happen. And, and I think, um, you know, again, you get to choose how you want to lead, but, but for me, that, that's, uh, you know, that's the priority. So you go into an organization, begin to work with them. And I mean, you work with everything under the sun that brings you in. Yeah. Can you spot a spiritual leader pretty quickly if they're truly living that out? Do they do they stand out to you? Uh, yeah, I think there's a, um, you know, it's most of the stuff we teach and train is uh, under the banner of of a secular message, but at the same time, it is uh, it's very clear that it's all principle centered and even. I don't shy away from the fact that it's faith-based. I mean, I, I, and, and so it will very quickly, you'll know whether it resonates with somebody or not. But the, the, the wild thing, Mike, is that I have not, and I've worked with some massive corporate companies in the last three or four years, and I've never had anybody come back and say, you don't need to be talking about that here. And And I'll give you an example. So I'll go into an organization and I'll say, uh, at some point during the presentation, you know, I might spend a whole day with a company or whatever, but at some point during that day, I'll, I'll let them know that I'm a Bible reader or, um, or I might even share some scripture here. An example would be, uh, I've been chewing on this one lately, uh, from James one twenty two. it says, be doers of the word and not hearers only who fool themselves. And so here'd be an example of what I'd say, I'd go into an organization. I would, I would, I would say at some point during the day, I'm a Bible reader and I would, and, and you know, I'll, I'll attend church and my, my pastor would stand up and say this verse and he's wanting us to go live out what he's talking about. And, and in this corporate context today, I think there's an, there's a link. In other words, we can sit here and we can listen to this training all day and feel really good about ourselves that we came and, and heard the stuff, but we can take the notes and go back and put our notebook on a shelf and not really activate what we're talking about and 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 fool ourselves into thinking it was enough just to be here and and so just that simple one minute at some point during the day and then at the end of the day somebody's coming up and saying hey man i'm a i'm a 
I'm a Christian or I'm a Bible reader or I'm whatever as well. And, and the next thing you know, you've got people who wanting to live out their faith, but don't necessarily feel permission to realizing that, man, I cannot believe you can come in here and say that stuff and you don't get in trouble or, or whatever. And, and it's amazing that they don't understand that a lot of times their leaders are encouraging me to say that their, their leaders want them. So it's, it's like this elephant in the room kind of mindset in a lot of corporate cultures where people, you know, they are principle centered or faith driven and, and yet they're afraid to talk about it. And they don't realize that because they don't talk about it, they're actually leaving a lot of, um, of influence results, all those things, but even joy, you know, they're, they're leaving a lot on the table that they don't get to experience because of that. So I don't know. I just try to be real open about it. But when I am, um, I've never had anybody and, you know, knock on wood. I know there are people who would say, don't talk about that here or whatever, but, but in every single setting we've been in, people have resonated with it. Not, you know, it hadn't repelled anybody. So which it doesn't matter. I mean, if it does, it just, it just does. I mean, I can't, I've got to do what I feel like I'm called to do as well. I love um, that. I, I love that because I think so many people there's, there is a fear and I think they almost can say um, there, there's a group of people that say, well, if I lead with my faith out in front, I don't want, I don't want that to be a hindrance. I don't want that to be. And I, and just from the leaders I know that we meet with and that I talk to as well, I think there's a hunger. People want to see that type of leadership because it is a great way to lead. I mean, when you lead like Jesus led, that's a good place. That is a really good Yeah, there's place. no question. And and I think obviously I think scripture says and teaches that the church is the is the plan, but I do believe that in our culture with all the noise and all the negativity and all that stuff, I do think God is is using business people to to really uh, make a huge impact. And I think sometimes we want to leave our faith at church and leave our work at work. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I think about life again, holistically, there's a, that integrity, uh, the word integrity. I think the first time was used in, in the book of Job where it's, it's a kind of a strange conversation, but God's talking to Satan and he uses this, he asked this question, have you considered my servant Job? He's a man of integrity. And that's the first time we see the word integrity used. And I think the Hebrew word there is, is the word integer. It's our math word integer, which is a whole number. And it's, so it's like God is saying, this guy is the whole deal. And, and, I, and I like that mindset that God looks at our lives and he, he doesn't, I don't think he wants us to compartmentalize, you know, an hour on Sunday here. We go to the, the, the ballpark and we have family time there. We go to the office and we have office. I, I think it's all, I think God wants our lives to be a reflection of what matters no matter where we go. And I think he wants us to work with all our heart at work. And I think he wants us to love with all our heart at home. But I uh, but also think he wants us to love at work and work at home. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think it's a, I, th I think we want to put everything in a box and, and the church gets this hour and, or, you know, a couple hours if you're going to be involved in, in a small group or something. And, and I don't think that's enough. I mean, I do think it's a, it is a holistic mindset. And, and I understand when you go to business, you, you know, you've got business stuff to talk about, but the heart behind that the character behind that is foundational for it to be what we would say is high performance. That's where, in, in fact, that's the name integrate is that integer and great. It's, it's high performance that's based or rooted in integrity. I love that. That is so good, man. That is so good. So you're doing this in the 
the the education world. You did it in the uh, church world. Now you're working with high-performing organizations, helping them with their peak performance issues and training and making their teams from, from the Pirates to uh, FCA. I mean, a little bit of everything in between. But you also had a family at home. How, how did you balance being that spiritual leader out in the marketplace, but also being that spiritual leader for your girls and for your wife? How did, how did you do that, Randy? Well, I, I don't. I wouldn't say that I've mastered that, but I would say that it has been my number one priority uh, is to get it right at home. I, I said, you know, I go all the way back twenty plus years ago when these girls started coming along. I, I did not want to go. At, at that point, uh, I was moving over into the church world, and I, I remember saying at one point, I don't want to help everybody else's family and and mine be, you know, blown up. I mean, that that to me was just not going to be an option. And so I, and, and thankfully I had a great environment to work in that gave me freedom to um, love my family and, and to have some balance. And there were times where we worked like crazy and, you know, but, but there were other times or, or, or all during that time, even when we were working hard, I, I felt like we had the opportunity to, to keep what was important, important. And now you know, looking back, I, I mean, I do, obviously, at this point, I travel a good bit, but that didn't happen until my kids were, my, my baby was a senior in high school, really, when I first jumped out and are about to be, and, and so was still able to be at her stuff and, and be involved in that. But it, I, I think if I had done what I'm doing now earlier, I, it would have robbed some of the time with them. And and so, um, which which that was part of that, delay you know on my part too I wanted to be present with them I think that was I think you have to decide again I go back to you know what is the priority and I don't think you can have multiple priorities I mean I, I years ago I heard somebody say that priority is by definition a singular word you can't you can't have priorities you got to you got to rank order stuff and so right underneath my faith my my family was was right there and so I think um it's kind of like a bank account. You you make deposits and you have stuff to pull out. And so, our kids um, have been they they have been our priority all the way through. And and I think it has um, it's been it's been a, it's been a great investment. I mean, I, there's no question about that. Um, so I, I think I think leadership. In fact, I'm working on a a manuscript right now for a book called Leadership Begins at Home. I, I think it's a it, it's great to go get it done from nine to five. But I think what happens in the life of a leader between five to nine, you know, that, that self-leadership piece is just as, if not more important than, than what happens from nine to five. So, you know, for me, th that's a hot topic. I mean, I, I, there is nothing more important than um, being faithful at home. And, and so it's been a good, um, it's been a great investment, honestly. It's been really cool. My wife and I just hit 30 years of marriage uh, oh, about a month ago. Awesome. So that that was cool. And so we're empty nested now and, and, and having, having a good time. I mean, we're, you know, it's been cool to watch these girls go out and, and launch them out. It's been a hard thing, but you know, I remind people all the time, you don't, you don't raise them to keep them. I mean, you want to, you want to get them ready and, and launch them out and let them have a great life as well. Hopefully go, go make impact. And, but thankfully everybody's at a good place right now. 
young leaders listening to this who's going, man, I want to make a mark on my career. I want to be great at what I do, which is the kind of guy we all kind of lady we all want. Somebody that wants to be yep. great, wants to make a mark. What are some, what are two or three tips you would tell them? You see, you see it on all spectrums. What are two or three tips you would say to somebody young that's savvy, that's hungry to make a mark? What are the what are the ways that you say if you do these things, these will set you on the right path to make the mark you want to make? Any any tips or thoughts for them, Randy? Yeah, I, I think about um I think about your core habits and I would say the first hour of the day might be a way that they could tactically think about, you know, how do you design the first hour of the day? And and, and that word design would be an important word for me. I, I would say design the life you want. Don't live by default, live by design, not by default. And I think sometimes we just kind of, we let our career kind of unfold. We go through the motions we're, we're, we can even wing it a little bit if we're, if we're, a, you know, growing pretty good leader and we can just stay a little bit ahead of everybody else. We can compare ourselves to them and think, think, you know, we're at a good spot. And, and I think the leaders that are, that are going to be the most effective are going to be character driven and integrity based. Yes. But they're also going to be leaders who say, I'm going to design and a, a plan for growth. And so that first hour of the day, those core habits, that you that you take some time and you do some reading and you do some reflection and you you do some planning and you think through strategy and so all these personal growth things I, I think the thing that has helped me most over a now thirty year leadership career has been uh, just a commitment to personal growth to try to to try to just keep getting better and and I haven't mastered it by any means I'm, I'm but I'm so much further ahead of where I was thirty years ago. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. And, it, and, and a lot of it has been because I have tried to design times into my life, into my schedule to, to keep growing. And so we say all the time, your capacity to grow determines your capacity to lead. And I think, I think just having a teachable, lifelong learner heart is huge. And, and if you don't have that, I think you're going to really have a hard time, um, you know, getting to the, to the, maximum potential or, or reaching your potential All right. mindset. Say, and then, say, that, say that quote again, Randy. I don't want to stop you, but your your uh, determines your your capacity to grow. Say that again. Yeah, you, that your your capacity to grow determines your capacity to lead. I think I think growing leaders grow organizations. Growing leaders grow stuff. Winners win, right? I mean, and if you have a if you have a mindset and a heart that is that is growing versus one that is fixed, then uh, Carol Dweck wrote a book called Mindset, and she talks about this growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And I think sometimes we get a fixed mindset, and and we're we want everything to just kind of be comfortable, like I talked about a minute ago. I think I think people who go after growth are really um, they're just going to position themselves to lead at a higher level. I mean, it, it's it's you know we want that we want that growth mindset. And, and and along that line, I, I was on a. I, I think if I could say to 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 leaders, not just the young leaders, but every leader, I think it's that idea of of um, of not being comfortable. And, and I, I'll give you an example. Laura and I were doing a marriage retreat this two weekends ago for some couples up in Virginia, and we ended up flying up to. Um, we actually flew to Pittsburgh and then drove down. And on the way up, we were in. 
um, you know, I fly a lot and I have fairly good status. And so get upgraded a lot to the comfort seats on we're flying Delta and out of Atlanta here and end up in the very first row behind first class. And I'm thinking about that as we're flying and, and, you know, I don't know if you fly first class or not. I don't, I don't fly first class very often at all, but it's only when I get upgraded. And the reason is because I'm not willing to pay the price to sit in the front section of the plane. It's available to me, but I'm not willing to pay the price to sit up there. I don't, I'm not willing to pay the price to travel in first class. I'm, I'm, I'm good with just being in that comfort section. And I look behind me and I think, well, I could, I mean, I've been in the back of the plane and it's, it could be a lot worse. You know, you could be back on the, you know, back by the bathroom on the wing or whatever. And, and yet I, I'm sitting there thinking about that and I'm going, you know, this is a lot like our leadership or a lot like our marriage or a lot like our work or whatever it is. A lot of us get to a place where we, we feel like well, we've gotten, we've made progress. We're a little better than we start comparing ourselves to people who might even be mediocre and we feel good about ourselves. And, and so we're comfortable, but we're really not paying a price to, take it to the level that we could. We, we're just, we're just comfortable in that comfort zone. And, and I think that's really dangerous for a leader. I, I think, it, you know, I do think God wants us to be first class in our leadership. I do think he wants us to give our best and, and to pay that price. And, and, you know, we, we, it, it's, it's available to all of us. And yet a lot of us have comfortable marriages instead of first class marriages. So a lot of us have, you know, comfortable in our jobs instead of, Let's go. Let's go get it done at, at the highest level. And and I think the same thing's true in our in our first growth. I think if we're not careful, we can just get real comfortable thinking, well, I've I've read enough, or I know enough, or I've you know, I'm I'm in a good place, rather than just showing up every day and being relentless about about our own personal growth. And I think when we do that, it you know that's how you get to first class. And 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 it's real. It's it's always tempting to be in that in that comfort zone. And so, you know. I would encourage leaders out there to to really show up every day and pay a price relationally, vocationally, spiritually, physically, you know, whatever it is, it, it's, you're going to get what, what you put into it a lot of times. And I mean, a lot of it is choices. It is behavioral. So God's going to do his part, but you know, the, the question is, am I going to be showing up and doing mine? So. That's good. And what a great analogy with first class and, and coach, what are, what are some tips that you would give somebody that says, man, I want to, you know, I'm 48, I'm 48 right now. And I, you know, the older you get, the less you really figure out, you know, and you're like, I want to grow. I want to get better. Are there, are there some books that you've read, some blogs you read, some podcasts you listen to that you would go, man, these are invaluable to help you in your personal growth. Any standout for you that you'd share? Yeah, I mean, man, I'm, I'm reading all the time. I, uh, I, I, and I'm, and I'm trying to learn and, you know, process stuff all the time, uh, at this level. I, I'd say a couple of things. One book that comes to mind is, uh, that it's been out a few years now, but a book that Henry Cloud wrote a few years ago called Necessary Endings. Hmm. Uh, Henry talks in that book about, the what, the, he, what separates the top 1% of leaders from everybody else, he says, is their ability to say no, their, their ability to, to prune. He uses the analogy in this book of a, of a rose bush, and he talks about how it always has more stems than what the nutrients in the bush are able to fill. And so um, it, he, he, he says in there that we have to be willing to prune back of these areas so that we can have all the, you know, all the 
the nutrients to go to to just a few fewer areas. I think I think great organizations, I think great leaders are really focused. They're able to to prune back those areas that are distractions. And so that's been a really great reminder. I've read that actually a couple of times. It's been a great reminder to me to um to just prune back. And and it, you know it's easy you walk by the rose bush. It's easy to snip off the 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 blooms that look like they're not real healthy. Yeah. But sometimes we have to prune back things that look really good. You know, because and 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 two goods don't uh, sometimes two goods can be the enemy of one great. And so I think if we can cut one of those goods out, then now we can be on our way to great in one, one area. And so obviously there's a, there's a lot more I can say about that, but it, but it's a, it's a, I think it's a great practice for leaders to keep asking themselves, what can I stop doing? What can I, what can I let go of? Um, so I, that, that's been a, that's been a great resource. Um, I'll even I'll even say uh, along you know you start talking about somebody at at midlife we ended up uh, I mentioned finding your way a minute ago we ended up have just written a sequel that I think could be helpful to people at this point as well we've written a sequel to finding your way called unstuck and it's about the father of the the guy in unstuck or in uh, finding your way and and in this in unstuck, we teach this formula that, that really can help people. I think we, we call it the traction formula and we say introspection plus redirection plus action equals traction. And if I can give you just a second on that, it's, it, it's this idea that we get to this point where we bog down in our leadership. It can happen at any point along the way, but a lot of times it happens in the middle of life. You know, we get to this point where we start to feel stuck. And so we start, we talk a lot about introspection. We all, you know, a lot of leaders listen, they, they know about inspections, they know about, you know, regulations, we got government stuff all over us in, in all these corporate settings now, food and safety and whatever. And, and yet, who does inspection on the inside? It, it's, I think, I think when we pull back and start really inspecting our own hearts and what's going on inside of us, when we're spinning our wheels, it, it starts with introspection. And then once we discover there's a gap between where we want to be headed and where we are headed, we've got to redirect. It's not enough just to say I'm going in the wrong direction. Mm. A lot of people do that, but they'll, but they'll, at that point, they'll just pull their foot off the gas and disengage. And, and they feel like because they're not going away from where they're supposed to be as fast as they were, they can justify it for a while. And I know a lot of guys who are, you know, they go eight, 10, 15 years and they just, they just, they just pull back and they just quit. You know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of leaders have quit their position. They just haven't told their boss, you know? And so, I think that's a that's a dangerous thing to live that way where you're disengaged every day. But but it's not enough to to admit it and then redirect. You still have to you still have to act. And so when we start acting on the direction we know, uh, I heard a leader say one time, "Your direction always determines your destination." And so you've got to you got to you got to you got to push the accelerator and head in the, in the new direction. And when you do, I think you you know traction returns. And so. Um, so unstuck is, I mean, I would recommend that to anybody who's really feeling sideways and uh, because I think, I think it's a really, that formula can really lay on our lives in a lot of different areas at home. You know, we've got a habit or whatever it is that we're trying to, you know, even, even be re-engaged at work, re reignited there. It, it can be helpful as well. Uh, I, I, I like anything that's going to help me on my self leadership stuff. I, I heard a leader say recently that we ought to spend half our time working on our business and half our time working on ourselves. 
And I think, I think some of that mindset goes back to what we were talking about earlier where we, it's, it's real easy for us to push hard on working on the business and yet we don't work on growing ourselves at all. And so, um, you know, Mark Miller's written a book called great leaders grow, uh, helps us kind of think about, you know, being growing leaders. Um, he's got, a, he's got a couple good books out, uh, the heart of leadership and the secret as well that are, that teach a lot of stuff that we're, we're talking about around this. So, yeah, there's several resources, but I'm, you know, anytime I find something, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all over it. If I can, if it can help me grow. Well, it, so I've got a leader listening to this that say, man, I would love to get unstuck and I would love to get finding, finding your way. What are, what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you, Randy? Even if they said, man, I want to bring Randy in to work with my company. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, they can just reach out. My email uh, is randy at randygravit.com. And uh, a couple of things I would tell them is is they could go to our uh, to to my website, randygravit.com. Uh, there's we we put content out two or three times a week, every week. Podcast. There's a motivational minute every week. But one of the things I'm really excited about that that would love to give your leaders is access to our uh, to our to our leadership app. We are. We've developed an app around this process of lead self, lead others, lead teams, and lead organizations. And it's an integrate leadership. You can go to the app store on your iOS or on your Android uh, phone devices and, and uh, download those. And it gives you an opportunity to, to invite people on your team. You can walk through some of that together. Uh, it le- ultimately leads to certification uh, that they you know get a little badge on their LinkedIn or whatever. But it's a, it's a very, what I call millennial friendly. These programs are, they're about 50, 40, 50 videos each, but they're only about one minute each. I mean, they're very little bite-sized, a couple of questions, something to discuss with your team and just some leadership concepts and stuff. So yeah, we're, we're actually, I would say still in development phase in, in that we've got two sections of that that are about 30 days from being released. But the one for leading others and the one for leading a high performance organization are already there. They're called the Secret and Chestnut Checkers, and and you can uh, go ahead and do those. And then the Heart of Leadership and the Secret of Teams will be on there. Like I said, in about thirty to sixty days, so it's going to be fully active, and and uh, it'd be something great for a leader to not just work on their own leadership, but the, but to develop their team through some of that as well. And a lot of content there, so we we produce a lot of content. Love that, but. RandyGravit.com, you can find all of it there, or you can go to Integrate and Integrate again, I N T E G R E A T, uh, IntegrateLeadership.com for the that college. Is, stuff, but. That is incredible. I can't wait to check those out. And we'll have in our show notes, we'll have links to all of the books and also the website. And uh, man, Randy, you have been incredible. And I, I just want to say thank you for doing what you do. You're making a difference and you're, you're leading definitely with your faith out in front. And I just want to say thanks for being on here today, but also thanks for doing what you do and making the mark that you're making. Well, thank you, Mike. I, I really, I'll just reiterate back to you on that. Thank you for what you've been doing. I know you've been laboring hard for a couple of decades there with, with North Star and really admired what you guys have done. And I know y'all are impacting people all over the place. And so thanks for your faithfulness. And I know you don't always hear that a lot from people, but you, you're, you're doing a great job too. So thanks. And, and really honored to get to be, be with you today. Well, Randy, it's been my honor. And thanks a ton, buddy. And just know our prayers are with you. And keep making a difference out in the culture that you're making a difference in, buddy. All right. Thanks, Mike. Take care.
I hope you enjoyed that time with Randy. You know, I think I know this about you. If you are breathing and you're listening to this podcast, you need encouragement. Randy is an encourager, incredible leader. You know, I think in in this world, we have a couple names that pop in our brain, and you may not know Randy until today, but Randy's one of those guys that's got a lot in the warehouse. He's got a ton of leadership knowledge. He's got a great ability to communicate that leadership. But behind that, Randy is an encourager of encouragers. You know, in every podcast, we try to grab that one word that stood out to me from the time together I had with that guest. Today for Randy, encouragement. So a reminder, number one, I'm reminded of how bad I need it. Boy, there's days that get tough and there's days that get long and there's days you face things in leadership that you never dreamed that you would come across and you need encouragement. But the second piece of that is we're called to give and give encouragement. We're called to come alongside other people that may be going through their own tough times, their own difficult days, and encourage them. So if we're too busy to notice, we're too busy. God left us here for a reason, and we, we say this all the time. He left us here for others. One of the things we can all do for others is we can encourage them. So I hope you'll take some of the tools that Randy laid out. Remember to check our show notes for more information on Randy and how to find his links to integrate leadership and all the other incredible things he has to offer. Incredible follow on Twitter as well with his leadership tips and leadership thoughts and all of that will be in our show notes. And I hope you'll visit Randy and learn from him because the guy's one of those guys. The more time goes, the more he learns, the more he just gives it away. And I love Randy Gravitt, and it has been such an incredible time being on with him this morning. Well, we have sure enjoyed being with you, and what a blessing it is to spend twice a month with each of you. But I'm excited to tell you, we've got a little bonus episode coming up next time, and the next time we gather is not going to be two weeks from now. It's going to be next week. We're going to sit down in episode 14 with Coach Matt Deggs, the head baseball coach at Sam Houston State. You may remember him from the college baseball playoffs last year when ESPN interviewed him after his final season loss in the playoffs when they had an improbable run uh, through the NCAA. And Coach Deggs talked about his players, and it went viral. That little two-minute clip went viral. Well, he's going to be with me next week. And you, I promise, are not going to want to miss it. So thanks again for being a part of Lynch with the Leader. Thanks for saddling up with us and spending your time with us and sharing it with your friends. Man, if there's ever anything we can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out and let us know. You can email me at mike.lynch, L-I-N-C-H, at northstarchurch.org. Also, please share this with your friends on iTunes. Leave a review because it helps us get the word out and helps others lead with their faith out in front. So until next time, have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.